0: Alright, tonight is the 5th of Sivan, and it is the time that we were standing at Mount Sinai, and Moshe Rabbeinu Moses asked us if we wanted the Torah. And we said, and nishma. we will do even before we hear what it's about. We will do even before we understand anything. Before we even hear what the subject is, Hashem wants us to have it, give us something, he wants to Guide us to something we said first we will do. So well, that's what we said. What did Hashem do in response when we said that? Hashem said to the angels, Who revealed to my children the secret? Who told them the secret? It sounds like we figured out something that, that so to speak, Hashem didn't know. Hashem said, Who told my children the secret? But the real meaning of the word who is like, you know, remember that comedy routine, mm-hmm. who's on first, what's on second, I don't know <laughs> who's on third. Is. You know what I'm talking about? So who is... Who is a name. Who is a description of Hashem. There is a way we describe Hashem as you. And that when we, that's referring to the way Hashem is, um, His life is contracted in the world. And we talk about Hashem as who, that's the way Hashem is infinite and transcendent and beyond creation. So, Mi gil means who, Hashem himself, Hashem in his essence, He is the one who revealed then, and every year at this time, He reveals in us, this secret, this secret love we have for him that we say, nah seven Ishma. Today, tonight, we're supposed to think about those words, we're supposed to say these words that ever says, and be conscious of of our of our secret, of our inner secret. So we're gonna go into this concept a little bit, hopefully go very deep. But before we do I'll tell you an amazing story. There's a woman named Miriam Rhodes, maybe some of you know her. She's uh, living in Batain in Israel, and in the sixties she uh, made dramatic steps to try to find spirituality. Where do Jews go for spirituality? You know, India. She went to yeah, India. Tibet. Tibet. Yeah. Tibet the, not the best place. Not the best place. So that's what she knew about. She's in the '60s, flower child. She went to to India, but she didn't just go there for like a day or a week or a month. She was there for four years. There for four years, and she went to so many different kinds of monasteries. And went to so many different kind of monks and all kinds of crazy kinds of, of, of grueling religious experiences. And finally, one of her friends tells her, actually her family called her and told her that her, their father, um, is sick. She should come back to see their father. And when she came back to America, one of her friends, had also looked at a spiritual experience, except that her friend didn't go to India. Her friend went to Crown Heights, <laughs> and she joined the Chabad women's yeshiva. Tonight's Elio's birthday. Then can uh-huh. the class Elio's birthday. Year of bracha, v'atslacha, v'gashos Zendabashi. bashi. So to only good news. only good news. So, so she, her friend, tells her, "Listen, Passover. Her friend didn't keep Passover. Passover is a very big thing for the Jewish people." We're spending Passover with all in this women's yeshiva. It's really a lot of fun. A lot of girls who very friendly. Come spend Passover with us. I'll come there just for the night of Passover. The night of Passover, the Rebbe would not just have his own Passover seder, but he would go to um, all the different communal seders that were in Crown Heights. He he would go to the Russian seder for the Russian immigrants. He went to the Persian Seder, for the Persian immigrants, when Are the Persians you came, you walk around, yeah, and he went to the woman's yeshiva as well. It's like me. And when he went to the woman's yeshiva, this girl, Miriam, saw her, saw him, and she saw, you know, the light in the Rebbe's face, and she heard the Rebbe speaking, and whatever the, whatever the Rebbe said, it went deep into her heart, and she decided she doesn't want to leave right away, and she decided she's going to stay three more days. Three more days turned into a week, and she ended up staying for a month. And she ended up deciding, like, she doesn't want to. she likes this. But she was part of this woman's yeshiva. And as she's getting closer and closer to Judaism, one of her friends tells her, you know, they have a little, you know, I don't know if it was by dinner or by lunch or by breakfast, but they had a discussion about her interest in Judaism. And one of her friends says, you know, in this lifetime, it's been very hard for you uh, to rectify all that you've done in the past. For four years of idol worship, it causes a huge black stain on your soul. And probably, in order for you to rectify this, you'll have to come into many reincarnations. That's what a friend said. So, uh, another friend said, well, maybe there's a way, you know, through, through some kind of great uh, penitence, you know, for fasting. All different suggestions her friends were telling her. It's a true story. I heard it from someone, I heard it from her. She sat down and wrote a letter to the Rebbe. She poured her whole heart out, she wrote it many hours, writing a whole life story, the four years she spent in these these monasteries, and where she is today, and she sought the Rebbe's counsel. Like, how should she come closer after she's been into all these idol worships? Well, the Rebbe answered her, only a Rebbe can answer. What do you think the Rebbe answered her? There's basically two options to answer, right? Either you're going to say, move on, forget about the past, start over, or you're going to say, this is how you fix it, right? Those are two options you could possibly answer. So what's your answer? Not mine. But the Rebbe's answer was I know the words that said, but the Rebbe's answer was like this. It says in the Talmud, if someone says I tried and I was not successful, don't believe them. If someone said I tried and I was succe- I was try I tried and I was successful, then believe them. So said for four years you're searching for God. You're searching for God for four years, and that's why you're successful. Hmm. In other words, it's not that you have to discount your past, or that you've such a treacherous past. Okay. It was part of your journey to looking for Hashem. Yeah. That's what was going on in these four years. So therefore, for sure, you're going to find Hashem because you worked so hard to try to find Him. Yeah. That's what I've said. Yeah. So to understand that a little deeper, let's go into the story of the giving of the Torah, which we're going to celebrate tomorrow night. There's a fascinating thing the Torah says... Uh, right before the Torah was given, Moses and God have this interesting exchange. God tells Moses, tell the Jewish people, no one can go, no one can walk up the mountain. Until the Torah was given, no one could walk up the mountain. Now, this was the second time God told this to Moses. So Moses responds to God and, and God and says to God, they can't go up the mountain. You already told me. God tells him, go tell them they can't go up the mountain. And Moses says to God, God, they, you already told me that they can't go up the mountain. In other words, it's as if Moses is saying, it's a great idea to tell it to them, but you know what? You remember yesterday? Hello, God. You remember? You told this to me yesterday? Well, I told it to them. Okay. So, so anything else you want to tell me? So, what's Moses saying? I mean, God says to tell them, you tell them. What's Moses questioning? He didn't want to tell them again. I mean, wh- I mean, why God has to say it again is a different question. But what was Moses saying? That's a bigger question. What was Moses saying? Sort of sadly going, was, a giant of of spirits, one of the greatest philosophers of Judaism in history, he says, i tried to answer this question for many years, I don't have the answer. He says a potential answer, you might want to say this, he says he discovered in Iran, there was this custom, that if someone had a mission from the king, they could not report to the king that they did the mission until the king gave them a second mission. So basically, if the king told you to go do A, you wouldn't go back to the king and tell him you did A, unless he asks you to go do B. That was the way it was in Iran. So perhaps, says Absadi Pesadigoy, the earth, the the, the human um, kingdom and the heavenly kingdom are similar. So if if in the earth, if in if in Iran, the custom is that you cannot go on a um, you can't tell the king about your your accomplishments until the king summons you again. So Moshe Rabbeinu was just reporting to Hashem. He wasn't saying I'm not going to do it. Moshe was just reporting to Hashem because Hashem had given him the second mission. It doesn't answer why Hashem repeated it, but it does answer why Moshe said, I told them already. He wasn't saying, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. He was just saying that, 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 that I did to tell you I did the mission. Mm-hmm. So let's see, we're going to learn and try a, a deeper answer. Answer from Baruch Mezher Baruch Mezhe, if you say that very clearly, you're going to lose your uh, American passport. Mezher They'll be out you. I in a minute. Anyway, so Baruch Mezher was a grandson of the Baal Shemte. He gives the following explanation in his Sefer, The Baruch HaMesh says like this, God told Moses that no one could go up the mountain. How does Moses look at this? Moses looked at this as, it's impossible for anyone to touch the mountain. It's not like Moses was someone who sort of lost his free will. He's so devoted to Hashem, so that there's no concept of like, am I going to do what Hashem wants, I'm not going to do what Hashem wants. He is so intimate and close with Hashem. If Hashem says something for Moshe, that's, he just reacts naturally. Like, like when you're driving your car, you turn your car to the right and to the left, it moves automatically. Moshe Rabbeinu was so subservient to Hashem. There's no such thing as not doing what Hashem said. There was a Holocaust survivor who, um, Anshul Brudi who was once celebrating the Passover Seder with one of his grandchildren and his grandson, says, uh, Zaydi, you know, you're supposed to ask only four questions. I have a fifth question I want to ask you. How do you smile? How are you happy? How do I see you, you, you know, you're, you're always so joyful and so happy. all you, you've been through an Auschwitz, how is it possible you're able to smile? So his grandfather said the following. He said that the Belzer Reber, the iron bells, was once celebrating the Passover Seder with his son. And his son wasn't asking the four questions. You're supposed to ask the four questions at the Seder. That's what makes the Seder a Seder. If someone asks the questions and the, the father says the answer. So he wasn't asking the questions. So Rab Aaron, so it was, the Talmud says you're supposed to do various weird things, so your son should ask, so your son should ask the questions. So Rab Aaron starts doing a lot of weird things. He starts <laughs> moving the table around, starts to look, and he says to his son, Aren't you wondering about why I'm doing what uh-huh. I'm doing? Like, so his son said, No, dad, because I, I learned that you don't ask questions on, 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 on a father. The father, you don't ask, ask questions. So, he's told, there's a grandson with, with, uh, great emotion, tears in his eyes. He said, you don't ask questions. I, I'm able to, to, I'm able to recuperate from his, my experience at Rabbancho because I have this, 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 this paradigm. You don't ask questions to, to a father. Mm-hmm. Previous Rebbe once, uh, oh, <coughs> guest, guest of honor. The previous Rebbe was once visited... If I take notes, it's okay. <laughs> previous Rebbe was once visited by this uh, woman who... Um, she asked the previous Rebbe the, 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 to describe to her what life will be like when Mashiach will come. Mm-hmm. She wasn't religious. But she wanted to know what's it going to be like when Mashiach will come. So the previous Rebbe said to her like this. Nowadays, a person wants to put their hand in fire. Can put their hand in fire? Can you walk through a wall? You can't walk through a wall. The Mashiach will come. The laws of God... Be like the laws of nature. Just like today, you can't walk through a wall, so Mashiach will come, you're going to try to, to steal, try to, to pull an apple off a tree on Shabbos, you won't be able to, your hands won't be able to go there, because the laws of nature will be the, will be the laws of God. That's what's going to be our natural self. And that's what Moshe said to God, the people can't go up the mountain. You want me to tell them they, can't, they shouldn't go up the mountain, they're not able to go up the mountain, because you said don't go up the mountain. It was a, uh, it was this family. I don't know if this is a true story or not. Probably not, but it's 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 because uh, t- it, it gives out a point. It was a family and discovered that they, that someone was who needed a place to stay. And they they offered that the person could stay in their their house. Someone told them, by the way, the person who's staying upstairs, he's a thief. So think of it's middle of the night. What do they do with this guy? If they have a thief in their house, what, what are they going to do? So one of the, one of the the uh, brothers, in the family says, this "Is what we're going to do." We'll take away the Negovasar. Won't be able to get out of his bed, right? You, you get at night, you go to sleep. You're supposed to have you supposed to have a pair of water so that you wash your hands before you go anywhere. So we'll just take away the negavasur, you won't be able to go anywhere. So um So that's the meaning. You know, Yo's birthday tonight. Yosef, you give him a brachas koanim, because he's he's he his birthday. Koanim, Give him a big bracha. Maybe after. Okay. So so that's the meaning of Moses' statement. He said to God, what are you talking about? Them going on the mountain? They can't. You said they can't go on the mountain. So what did God tell Moses? God told Moses, go down. Go down means that's not the purpose of why I made the world. I didn't make the world for, for, for angelic people, that they should be angels. There are angels in heaven. I made the world in a way that there should be a human being in this world, that there's two roads to go on, and one road looks sweet, and the other road looks sweet, and you have to choose which road to go on and to decide yourself that you want to go on the road that is the way of Hashem, even though the other road also looks sweet, although the other also looks good. That's the reason I made the world. And therefore, He told Moshe, you, you, I, I, it's not, it, it, I know that you're looking at this and, and from, the, from a higher perspective. I said, don't go. They can't go. It's impossible. But really, that's not the intent of why I gave the Torah. The Torah says that when God, as I mentioned before, God asked us if he want, wanted the Torah, and we said we will do before we understand But the Talmud also says that God took the mountain and held the mountain over our heads and said, you have to accept the Torah. Mm. So the question Mm. is, if we were such a romantic, magnanimous spirit, that we're going to do whatever you say, Hashem, with all our hearts, why be so... uh, Dramatic. Violent. violent? Not just dramatic, it's violent. Like a gun to your head. Yeah, why put the gun to our heads? We we, we said yes already. What's the the other violence? Mm. So the Maral says, The idea of the mountain, the Talmud uses the phrase, the mountain was over our head like a barrel. What's the idea of a barrel? Moral says the barrel's empty. Hashem showed us that through the miracles He did for us, and the wonders we saw, leaving Egypt and splitting the Red Sea, He showed us the whole world's empty. He showed us the truth is with Him. So we realize that the mountain, the mountain over our heads like a barrel, means that we realize the emptiness of everything else. But the Al-Tarebbe says something unbelievable. Al-Tarebbe says, why a barrel? A mountain's overhead like a mountain. Like a, mm-hmm. You don't need an example for a mountain over here. What's... Saddam so a different explanation. He said, Hashem showed us such love at the giving of the Torah. It's as if you're standing in a barrel. Think about the love of a, of a, a Jewish mother to a child. A real Jewish mother, the love that she gives to a child, it's such an incredible love that the child can't help but love his mother back. It's not possible not to love her back. Why? Because the love surrounds the child. The, the love is so powerful; it's not, you can't resist the love. It's such a, it's such a, it's, it's a love which 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 goes to every fiber of your being. That's the meaning of the the mountains over our head like a barrel. The love enveloped us in a way we couldn't turn away. Everywhere, we, everywhere we turned, the love was there. You know, a wedding, a Jewish wedding, is all built around the same way the Torah was given. The Jewish wedding has all the customs of Mount Sinai because Mount Sinai is the time we got married to Hashem. So the idea of the mountain over our heads is like a chupa. But the question is: At a chup, you're not supposed to are not supposed to force the calling. we not supposed to force the calling You can't say you can not do a shotgun <laughs> wedding; It doesn't work according to Torah. It doesn't sound valid. But it is it, there's it, there's something in marriage that resembles this. How, how does this? How does it resemble this? There's two parts of a marriage. There's a the time time of marriage when you're excited and your and your love and your love and you want to for your spouse, and the times you don't want to. Mm-hmm. You have to push yourself. But why do you push yourself? You push yourself because you and your spouse are really one, you two halves of one soul. It's not that you're pushing yourself to do for someone else, but what binds together a husband and a wife is not just love. Uh, if it was just love, so when the love goes away, so then so then it goes through someone else. But the connection of a husband and wife, the Torah says, is much deeper than just feelings. The connection of a husband and wife is that two halves of one Hashem. they are one entity. And that's the meaning of the mountain over our heads. Hashem wanted to imbue in us that our connection with Torah should be like the, like the tablets. The tablets are engraved. Not just engraved, but they were engraved from one side to another side. In other words, the letters, were, yeah, the letters floated. Like, for example, letter Samach is like a circle. Letter, the, is Shlossman is like, like a square. So if you have a, a, a circle going all the way through a tablet, the, the, the middle part should fall down. Why didn't it fall down? God made a miracle mm-hmm. that the, that the, the, um, these letters should stand. What, what's the purpose of it going all the way through it to necessitate a miracle that the letter should still be there? God wanted us to realize, give us the Torah. Not just He wanted us to realize. He, by the giving of the Torah, He, beca- He became one with us in such a way that there's nothing in us that's not godly. There's nothing in us that's not part of Him. There's nothing that's going on in our life that He engraved into us in the Torah through giving us the Torah. Every fiber of our being is one with, with, with Him. One with His words. I am the Lord your God, took you out of Egypt, became us. Those words became etched, became engraved into us all the way through. Think about you go to a doctor. The doctor says, you know, you shouldn't eat french fries. The doctor <laughs> says. Is it illegal to eat French fries? Is it illegal to eat French fries? It's not illegal to eat French fries, you can eat French fries. But why can't you eat the French fries? The doctor is not telling you laws. It's something we feel, it says in the Torah, there's no one free except for someone who's involved in the Torah. You're only free to learn Torah. What do we mean there's only free if you learn Torah? If, if, if you keep Torah, you're not allowed to eat in this restaurant, in that restaurant. It, what is mean you're free if you keep Torah? What it means is, it's like analogous to a doctor. The doctor says, "Don't eat French fries." When you when you abstain from the French fries, right? You don't eat the French fries. You're just doing what's you. You're doing you. When you don't eat the French fries, you're doing you. If you eat the French fries, you're destroying you. A telephone. Don't do the telephone. In, don't throw the telephone into a bathtub. Oh, is it illegal? Is it illegal? It, it just it just will make the telephone not work anymore. It's not it's not good for the telephone. It's not it's illegal. You could. It's not against the law. It, the laws of the Torah. I'm, I'm, I'm tell you so simply. I it I'll explain. <laughs> the laws. The laws of the Torah are are not just laws that we that we must keep or we'll get consequences. These are are what makes. These are mojo. This is what makes us who we are. This is this this is our essence. The laws of the Torah are our essence. It doesn't always feel that way. That's the idea of the God putting the mountain over our head. He wants to tell us it's part of you. you may not feel it's part of you all the time, but this is this is who you are. This is who you are. This is the reason why, before uh, the, this holiday, we give each other a blessing. What's a blessing we give each other? May you receive the Torah with joy, and plemiyut. Plemiyut means in, in, inwardness, inspiration. What's the meaning of these two two lines in the blessing? Joy and inwardness. Inwardness and joy. What, what's what's these two these two lines? What are they about? Human nature is that if you get disappointed in relationship. It's hard to open up your heart again. If you get disappointed, it's hard to, to trust that someone really loves you. It's hard to, to open your heart to, to love another person. The same is also with Hashem. If Hashem disappoints you, doesn't give you what you asked for. It's hard to open up your heart again and devote yourself to Hashem if, if you see that you're getting disappointed. So, but, but really, as we said before, your secret, you are one with Hashem. That's what I've ever told this girl. For four years, she's searching. For four years, she's searching. The Rebbe says she's in monasteries. But how it the Rebbe look at it? It's impossible you're doing anything else other than searching for Hashem. It's not that you're going to monasteries away from Hashem. Why would you go to monasteries? It's because Yenisham was looking for Hashem. That's what told her. Your four years looking is not yeah, something to atone for. Your four years of idol worship are all about your soul searching for Hashem. So it's not... if to fix it because something was broken. It's a sign of 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 of, of 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 the. This is what you are. You're a Jew. A Jew is someone who looks for Hashem, and you don't know. So therefore, you went the wrong way. So, but what happens is that our, that inner voice we have gets lost. And what happens is when you're happy is when you're happy, your insight comes out. People are happier. They're they're more generous. They're more they're more uh, they're more themselves. They're more expressive. They're more they're more in tune with their inner <laughs> self. They're more. You have a lot of stuff inside you. When you discover all the stuff inside you? When it's a celebration. When it's a celebration, all the good things you have inside you. Like my parents' daughter's wedding. Ah, a wedding. A wedding. It's fantastic. A lot of fun. I felt so good there. What What, what I feel? I had some good stuff inside of me. Everyone does. I'm a Jew, right? <laughs> so when did I feel, ah, the the is so gashmak. so, so frilich. I saw friends. I hadn't seen for such a long time. I was happy to see them. It brings out all your good feelings inside you. So to our wedding of all of us, with Hashem is tomorrow night. So when you have the joy, the joy makes it come inside you. And that's the the um, meaning of the story, and the meaning of our story, and the idea of the Torah being engraved. The idea of the Torah being engraved is that we are one with the Torah. That's our essence. Every five of our being is Torah. And that's where we find our home. This is where our delight is. This is where our happiness is. I, I, I mentioned something this morning. I just want to conclude with this. I have and he left. Chaim on 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 it, it, it says in, it says you heard this before, Rabbi the 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 the, the Merbeir Shapiro, the one who who invented the dafyemi. At the first dafyemi celebration, he said the following thing. He says, Kesher elin deraisa. It says Gemara Meracha. Stop on That what, which, in order to for to be kosher, they have to have one knot at least on top. So he interpreted this homiletically. Zah, kasher elin has to have at least one knot on top for it to be kosher. Kasher So he said, there's different kinds of bonds you have with the people. The highest kind of friendship you have, you say Torah together. The says this is what brings husbands and wives together. This is what brings people together. You spend, spend time saying Torah with another person. It's different kind of friendship, right? Rabbi Yisrael together. It's different kind of friendship. A Different kinds of friendship. Different kind of camaraderie. The highest kind of friendship is is, is Torah. So, we should all accept the Torah with joy and inspiration. We celebrate in Shulaim with Meshirat Zaken and of Karim Mavish.